Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Good morning, everyone. I'm not Dan Dockich. I'm Michelle Tafoya filling in. Don't at me. Sage Steele is going to join us in a little bit. But I feel like we're going through a totally different eras tour. Not Taylor Swift's. The Coaches Eras Tour. It's like happening to us and around us. All these dominoes just keep going boop, boop, boop. So it starts yesterday with Pete Carroll. Then we hear the Nick Saban. And then we wake up this morning to the news that Bill Belichick and the Patriots, meaning Robert Kraft, have decided to part ways. And the news is that the two of them, Kraft and Belichick, sat together in a room meeting on Monday, probably Tuesday, talking, talking, talking. How can we make this work? There was probably, I, I'm guessing there was a lot of walking down memory lane together. That's my guess. A lot of thanking, but figuring it out. And ultimately, nope, it's not going to work. For, you know, Bob Kraft wants to win. And, he, and no one in this picture is getting any younger. No one in this whole picture is getting any younger. It's sort of like this weird year we're in where presidential candidates and, you know, who's past their prime. And now Robert Kraft is wants to win. And they've had an overflowing cup in New England since Bill Belichick and Tom Brady arrived. This last season, not good. Not good by anybody's standards. And for Bill Belichick to finish it with a loss to the Jets has to be exceedingly painful. And how do you come back from that? And do you want to, if you're Bill Belichick and your your window is closing, right? How much do you want to work within this framework to try to get things back offensively going, defensively, whatever? Is it going to happen? Now, if you're your craft, Bob Kraft is seeing some coaches out there, namely Jim Harbaugh, also Mike Vrabel. Uh, you know, we know Gerard Mayo is there in-house, and the word is that Belichick will look in-house first. But I'm not so certain that that's going to be the case. Maybe it is. Maybe he brings in Vrabel. Maybe Kraft goes with this approach that giant shoes are leaving us. Who's going to fill them? Do we, do we think there's a guy ready to fill them? Now, I don't think Vrabel would blink. And I know Harbaugh would not blink. They'd be willing. I, frankly, right now, I think that Harbaugh is your best bet. Do they have in New England what they need to win? Probably not right now. Probably not next year. But can they turn this around with a draft and some trades? And again, Bill Belichick isn't sticking around as a G. He's not in any role. He is going. So for Bill, who wants to keep coaching even though he's, I think, what, 70? They're all like early 70s, uh, give or take a few days. How and what does that look like for him? People are talking about Atlanta. 
you know, I the Chargers keep coming to mind for me because they have a quarterback, a very talented quarterback. And I and they'd be willing to pay Bill a lot of money. And then there's the LA scene. Who knows? I don't know what it's going to be about for Bill, but I think it's going to be about winning quickly and what the best environment is to do that. Now, what's it going to be about for Robert Kraft? Winning quickly and what it's going to take to get that to happen. It's certainly going to take a quarterback or a quarterback whisperer. Now, is that guy Jim Harbaugh? Is that guy Mike Vrabel? Do they do they go and get a quarterback this year? What do they do? So these are just the first dominoes to fall. Uh, I, I just want to reflect on Belichick for a minute. It's 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 one hell of an organization in New England, and on Sunday night and Monday night football with Madden, with Chris Collinsworth, with Al Michaels, we were able to cover a lot of it, and in some ways they were really gracious about that. I did my 200th primetime game in New England, and I think it was a Thanksgiving game, which New England won. There's the 300th game. That's a game ball they sent me when they played Houston, and I covered that one. And they sent me that game ball. Just out of the blue, there it was. Or is that the 200th? I can't tell. Anyway, you can see these things really mean so much to me. They do. It was touching. I just don't focus on me very much. And then there was the Thanksgiving Day game and you got Vince Wilfork and you got Tom Brady eating the turkey legs, always a really fun part of Thanksgiving. The winning team on the field taking the turkey legs that we made for them. But for in each of those cases, they sent me something to commemorate those games. <laughs> I'm not sure who said that that says more about me and the amount of time I spent in the NFL or them and recognizing it, but it it was it did it did it was touching to me. It was nice, um, and I covered Belichick in three Super Bowls. We had him three times in the time that I was on Sunday Night Football uh, in those Super Bowls on NBC. Maybe he didn't like seeing us there because he lost two of those three. Lost one to the Giants. Lost one to Philly. Remember the Philly special? But uh, regardless. Spent a lot of time in meeting rooms with Bill Belichick. We went through Deflate Gate with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and Rob, Robert Kraft. Really, really tense meetings with all of them. This is one of the most storied franchises, not only because of the wins and the six Super Bowls that Tom and Bill had together, but because of some of the controversy. There was Spygate, there was Deflate Gate. And going through Deflate Gate was really quite something. Um, the denials, the adamant, you know, the theories about why this might have happened. And you can decide for yourself. And then that Super Bowl, that ensuing Super Bowl, in which I had to give this detailed report on now how the officials were going to deal with these deflated footballs at halftime. And it was, the number of footballs was changing and how they handled them. Oh, it was all crazy. But this is part of the Bill Belichick legend and legacy. And so now with all of that, with all of that, what do the Patriots move on? Because this guy is emblematic. 
of the New England Patriots. This guy is really Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are the faces of the team, were the faces of the team. And it's undeniable that once Brady left, the team, the Patriots, didn't have that success, and Tampa Bay did. So make of that what you will. Everyone's going to argue about whom that speaks more highly of, Tom or Bill. But there you go. Those two gentlemen right there, Rob, Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick, now separated. And who fills those shoes? We know it's not going to be Pete Carroll. That was a shock yesterday, only to be surmounted by Nick Saban. So this is all fascinating. And I, I like to picture these three guys, Saban and Carroll and, 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 and Belichick, going off on some sort of worldwide cruise together into the sunset, talking memories. But Nick Saban's retirement was, was last night's shock, was last night's earthquake in this whole meteoric thing that's happening around us. Nick Saban, the winningest, arguably the greatest coach in college football history. So you have the guy this morning in Bill Belichick, greatest record in NFL history. And now earlier, just about 12 hours ago, you had Nick Saban. And you just, it, it, it leaves you scratching your head as to why they made their decisions when and how they did. You know, and what was it for Saban? I mean, Saban, dominant. Clay Travis detailed it well. Uh, just in the number of wins, the number of championships, the number of SEC titles, everything that Saban did was landmark. Now, Saban and Belichick know each other very, very well. So the timing of all of this is really interesting. Um, but if we could put up the the... Clay Travis on Saban's dominance. You can see there just all of the all of this outstanding numbers. Greatest college football uh, coach of all time. Best conference at the absolute apex of it. He dominated at the SEC. 2008, 2009, 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22. Number one in all of those seasons. Clay Travis says we'll never see anything like it again. And I say never say never. But that streak of having a number one team in the nation, Clay, Clay may be onto it. I mean, I don't know how you replicate that. Who in this era, the reason Clay's saying that, and this is hard to disagree with, is that now with NIL and the portal, the transfer, transfer portal is just in my mind, ruining college football. Yeah, how can you have it again when you can have a quarterback one year who's showing great promise who says, you know what, I think I want to go play for LSU or Ohio State. So I think we're really seeing the end of an era, not only of Nick Saban and coaching in the SEC, all of college football is looking dramatically different, not just because of his departure, but because of everything surrounding it, all of the changes, and Alabama being really the most storied program in college football history with Bear Bryant and all the history there, uh, you know, it, how does all of this change? The landscape, talk about an earthquake. 
not just Saban leaving, but maybe that's part of the reason why. Maybe he looks at this and says, this game, this sport, this, we're never going to be what we were when things were at the pinnacle. It's just never going to look the same again. And do I really want to play in that sandbox? So, just hours before Nick Saban's announcement, the Seahawks announced that Pete Carroll, who doesn't look a day over 52, really, but is 72, decided to step down or was forced out of his coaching spot. He will remain in Seattle as an advisor, which is a a really interesting role. It's sort of a professor emeritus role for Pete Carroll. So end of an era there. He brought them their first Super Bowl championship. And it's just, uh, it's like a, a massive changing of the guard when you look at those three men leaving the football scene. Where do they go? So, as we said, Pete Carroll likely to stay, just stay put in an advisory role. He's 72 years old. He clearly loves Seattle and wants to be in that area. Otherwise, I think he'd take an option to coach somewhere else. I mean, why wouldn't he? If he wanted to coach, he could coach. Because in spite of his years, um, he's a very youthful man. So that was a shocker, too. And just interesting that he's going to hang around Seattle and be an advisor to that team. So you've got this massive earthquake in football. And when the plates shift under the Earth's surface, things happen. Things fall down, things crash and break, and other things build up. So the next question becomes, what happens to all three of these franchises? I shouldn't say franchises in the case of Alabama, but what happens to these three teams? And maybe more interestingly, where does Bill Belichick wind up? Does he go on? It's fascinating to think about what motivates these individuals. Because what more can he do? Pete Carroll, I don't I, I think he's content. Real cerebral spiritual guy. And maybe he's simply content. Maybe he's simply gonna stay in Seattle, be that advisor, be that professor emeritus, and that's gonna be that. Uh, but Belichick, Saban, I think Saban's done. I think we're going to find out. All of this is making for a fascinating day in the NFL and in college football. And uh, and so that, you know, all the stuff going on in politics right now, it's sort of like, yeah, I'd rather look at this. I'd rather talk about this. But there is a lot going on. Alabama, man, will it ever, how do you replicate what he did there? You can't. You can't. We're going to talk about all of it with Sage Steele. You know her, you love her, recently of ESPN, left uh, under very interesting circumstances. 
You've heard that story. We won't go deep into that. But she and I are going to talk a little bit about this Aaron Rodgers, Pat McAfee, Jimmy Kimmel kerfuffle. We'll reflect on these coaches. Uh, for people who don't know, Sage's brother, Chad Steele, is the head of media public relations for the Baltimore Ravens. And I've known Chad longer than I've known Sage. So uh, she's got some interesting insight into the Ravens as well. We'll get into all of it, plus this ridiculous USA climbing, um, reconsidering whether or not to allow transgender women to compete against biological women. We'll get into all of it with Sage. Stay tuned. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Happy to be joined by my friend, Sage Steele. Lady, which one stood out to you the most? Belichick, Saban, or Carol? Hi, Michelle, my friend. Hi. Awesome to see you. Um, I would say Carol. Yeah. Yeah, I would say Pete. And who doesn't love and appreciate Pete's energy and what he's been able to do and dealing with the whole Russell Wilson situation and then bringing Gino in and the energy. That, that did surprise me. Um, with Coach Saban, um, not as much, but certainly it just sounds weird. Even if you kind of feel things are coming through the years, maybe you're like, wait, what? Is this really happening? Yeah. And especially because, look, he made it to the national semifinal game again. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the numbers are the same. Nine championship appearances, six championships, just like Bill Belichick, nine appearances, six Super Bowls. Yeah. Um, the Belichick one didn't surprise me really as much either. Three of the last four seasons have not been, you know, the Patriot way for sure. And obviously since Brady left, but it still is shocking and weird. And 
I think they're all 72 years old, aren't they? They're it's all right around there, 71, 72. And it, I, it makes me picture this cruise ship and all three of them are getting on the cruise ship and each <laughs> of them gets a glass of champagne and they sail off into the sunset together and they start just reflecting on great times. Oh, uh, the yeah, stories would be yeah, amazing the, to be a fly on the wall. <laughs> no kidding, right? Yeah. So I'm with you on this because the Pete Carroll thing was really unexpected. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, like you said, it was shocking to hear that Nick Saban was retiring. But when you sat for, on it for a moment, you went, yeah, you know, maybe he doesn't like this whole new college football landscape and he's done everything you could possibly do. So it makes sense. And same with Belichick. He sort of knew the Belichick thing was brewing, yeah. right? You kind of knew it was going to go one way or the other. But the Pete Carroll thing was very out of the blue. Yeah. What do you make of the fact that he's staying in Seattle? Is it, you know, he's almost like Professor Emeritus of the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. I think it obviously speaks to the relationship with with ownership and, and the franchise as a whole and the impact that he's had. Um, I, I, I love that and I can see him always having his hands in something. And he's the kind of guy that I will say, I, I believe will will die there. Not not in Seattle necessarily, I'm just saying in the game. He yeah. would never leave. It's part of the fabric of his soul. Yeah. I feel the same way with Bill Belichick. Obviously he's not staying in New England. Um, you know, I saw Teddy Bruschi, my dear friend Teddy Bruschi, who is, um, you know, who was on today. And he's like the first person I thought of and who I wanted to hear from. And he said, you know, Bill always said he didn't want to coach into his 70s. And now here he is, 72. And I think obviously, you know, still able to coach. That man can coach. Mm -hmm. Part of me would love to see him sit and chill and take a break. But I think he's like Pete. I think he's going to probably have to just stay in it because that's what keeps them going. And he has a couple of months to do whatever. Nick Saban, I think I can see him riding off into the sunset for yeah. sure. Like, you can't, why? Why would he go anywhere else? But then again, it is in his soul. I can see him maybe like Pete Carroll, like Coach K, who stays on. Um, after the legendary career, but still has influence, leadership, guidance. Um, he is Alabama. And by the yeah. way, my youngest daughter is choosing between um, a couple of schools. She's a senior in high school and Alabama is at the top of her list. And I was like, no, come on. <laughs> more, I want to go to, I've never been to a game there. And I'm like, oh, it is really? unbelievable. <laughs> it is unbelievable to go to a game in oh. Tuscaloosa. It really is something. When I covered college football, we did a lot of SEC and yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's in, it's insane. Uh, I asked a, a head coach there a question once about his future and I got death threats. So it, they are insane down there. They are passionate. Yes. But this may, <laughs> this may influence her decision, huh? They should listen. I told her all three of them that I'm only paying for their education if they go south. No more of this snow <laughs> stuff. And so I, if she doesn't end up at Alabama, I will um, not be happy. But it's not yeah. about me, is it, Michelle? It's not well, about it's not supposed to be, but I'm sort of with you. My <laughs> my son chose a cold weather climate. So what are, what are we going to do? Um, it's it's it is a really interesting time. And now we get to speculate about what happens next for each of them. Bill said he yeah. didn't want to coach into his 70s, but it, there's this opportunity still for him to to break the all-time wins record, which maybe he wants, even with all the gaudy statistics. Yeah. Maybe Belichick still wants that one. And so Atlanta it, it was being mentioned this morning. Uh, and, you know, I can't help think about the Chargers. They really yeah. need something. And they have a quarterback. And so that scenario seems really interesting to me. If Belichick were to go on you have a favorite spot where you think he could land i mean you you always think when there's a departure of um you know a coach 
there's no one like Belichick, but a big name, successful coach, or even a player, a quarterback, he always say, okay, he was in the AFC. Let's, let's go to the NFC. You know, um, to me, Atlanta um, sounds right today, but who knows what will happen at six o'clock today. Right. And then you heard the conversations about Arthur Blank and he always likes to go big or go home. Yeah. Um, you, you, you could see that fit. Um, you know, it's so interesting because I think about um, Las Vegas and what happens out there. And there's talk with with Tom Brady. What does Tom Brady want? Not not Belichick, but what about what about Rabel? Rabel's not in Tennessee anymore. Those guys are boys from their Patriot days, right? Um, yeah. Does he go out to, to to the Raiders? What about Harbaugh? I mean, Harbaugh has to be part of all of these. Harbaugh has to be part of the. Yeah, co- with yes. the, there's eight vacancies now. Yeah, he just won it all. Um, yeah. I think it's going to be fascinating to see, but it's just so weird because of the legendary coaches in the NFL that have just. Um, stepped away or made changes in those organizations. So um, t- right now the, the talk is Atlanta. Maybe he goes west. And Atlanta needs a quarterback too, right? So um, yeah. it, it's going to be fascinating. But part of me does. I want him to chill out. But I, I don't I don't think he's able 24 years. And by the way, I think I heard this stat too. In the 24 years that Bill Belichick was in New England, the rest of the NFL combined had 213 head coaches right. while just one in New England. I mean, it's insane right. what he's done and to what level. Yeah, it, it is. Um, Harbaugh is the name that we were all talking about early in the week because you win the national championship. You get the sense that he can he's going to write his own ticket. Now, is it possible he says, you know what? NFL would be fun, but I'm dominating college football. Hmm. Maybe I go to Alabama and I continue the tradition that is, you know, uh, the Crimson Tide. Is that far-fetched? Do we think, you know, and maybe that's why they said, hey, Nick, if you're going to make a decision here, let's do it soon so we can go take mm. a stab at Harbaugh. Or do you think it's NFL or bust for Jim? That just doesn't feel right to me. I, I don't I don't feel Jim Harbaugh in Tuscaloosa. I also feel like Jim Harbaugh, um, you know, yeah, to your point, been there, done that, right? For a team that started off with so much adversity this season and just their last few years since, what, 2020 when they've struggled so much and it didn't feel like Michigan football. I mean, he was on the hot seat for a minute, it felt like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't see that. And also, I feel like, can't you see him going to a situation that he could be the savior, you know? I mean, I think it was a tall task to go to your alma mater that was already, you know, Michigan. Yeah. M- maybe where he could go you know, uplift a franchise and, you know, Atlanta Chargers, whatever it might be, where um, the bar isn't as high. You know, if, I, if I I'm any see, coach, I don't want to go to Tuscaloosa. I also don't want to go to New England. You know well, what I mean? See, the, this is what makes Harbaugh different. He's not wired yeah. like the same. And I think he would not blink uh, stepping yeah. into Belichick's shoes, stepping into Saban's shoes. He would not blink. He's kind of incapable of blinking. It does nothing bothers it's that true. man. He's so, so he's so unique. Michelle, he, I know you were I covered Jim Harbaugh when he was Captain Comeback with the Colts like 150 <laughs> years ago. And so I I I didn't I wasn't around him nearly as much as you and I was a young reporter then, but it was like, "Oh my gosh, he he's a different cat." I saw him this year at the Masters. There was a, you know, a dinner that we all were at and um I love seeing the other side of Jim Harbaugh, right? And then you see him, you see John Harbaugh in Baltimore and the difference between those two. They are, I mean, that Harbaugh family, they are, they are so unique. And by the way, New England, I would be surprised right now if they didn't go with Gerard Mayo, who they gave that big extension to 
last off season. Um, he, and I think with Robert Kraft, the Patriot way matters, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't, I, mm-hmm. I can't feel Jim Harbaugh in New England with the Kraft family. I don't know. Uh, it's, uh, there are so many variables and that's what makes this so much fun to discuss Yeah, because all of these things can come into play. And you don't know which one's going to be weighted heavier than the next. So the drama, <laughs> yeah, it, the drama, the palace intrigue. It's also good. Speaking of drama and intrigue. So Aaron Rodgers on yeah. his Tuesday, Pat McAfee show says, I'm not going to be talking to you for a while. And after his appearance, McAfee says, you know, Aaron's going to be done for this season. And, and McAfee, who, who will say everything that's on his mind. Yes. Says, and I'm kind of relieved. I'm kind of glad. And I know a lot of people around me are glad. But to me, one of the, the, the things that I love about Aaron's appearances on McAfee are, is that you never know what you're going to hear. Yeah. Now, this whole thing with Kimmel is in the ABC ESPN family. So this thing was, yes, you've got a unique perspective on all of this. What do you think's going on behind the scenes? How much influence does the Kimmel show have in saying to the folks at ESPN, knock it off. This is, this is too far. Yeah. I, I think that, gosh, it's, it's such a unique situation um, in general because of the Disney ownership of ABC and ESPN and Kimmel's obviously been there a very long time. I think the biggest picture is that um, Aaron doesn't fit that narrative of Disney, ESPN, ABC. And I, I know a little bit about what that feels like and what yeah. that's like and how the how you can kind of be attacked quietly, you know? Um, so I'm sure that there, and I have not talked to anybody, honestly, but I, I'm sure that there were, was encouragement, strong encouragement, maybe even more than that. Like, okay, we're good with this, with Aaron, you know? And I'm sure Jimmy and his people made phone calls. Um, you know, I, I just think it's, the irony is so thick that Jimmy Kimmel can dish it out like that for years about Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Very personal things. And I know it's extra sensitive with Epstein. Um, and I get that. And Aaron said that. He's like, I understand why there's sensitivity. Um, but the depths to which Jimmy Kimmel has gone for years, and Aaron was pretty silent. Um, and I, I, I just think, in my opinion, uh, Jimmy overreacted and the way it went down is just silly. Um, I think I'm sad that Aaron's not going to be on for the next few weeks because I always enjoy his commentary. And it's funny because those first two hours are live on ESPN and the third hour is, is um, ESPN plus, And of course, always on Pat's YouTube channel. Um, Aaron is very um, intentional with what he says when. Mm-hmm. And he he says a lot of things to stir the pot during that ESPN window, like on purpose to yeah. poke the bear a little bit, whether yep. it's his nonstop Fauci comments, whatever it is. I kind of like that. You know, <laughs> this can go both ways, guys. You can't, you don't just throw darts at me and I sit here quietly. Um, and oh, by the way, no one likes to admit that Aaron was right about so many things, the vaccine and all those things. So I love it. And I'm sad. I'm, I'm disappointed, actually. Um, either you're in or you're out, you know? Yeah, that's, um, I feel that same way, Sage. It's disappointing that it kind of feels like they caved. You know, they caved a little bit. And 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 I was surprised to hear McAfee say he was glad. He's a little relieved to not have to deal with the drama for a little while. Because I thought Pat, Pat's no 
you know, he's no shrinking violet. I mean, yeah. And that's saying the least of it. He went after Norby Williamson and and doubled and tripled down on yes. his disdain for Norby Williamson. And that's got I, I mean, and the reaction to that has been bizarre. What do you make of it? Yeah, I was shocked. I was shocked. Um, not shocked at what Pat was saying right. about Norby. There's yeah. a difference. But shocked that Pat would go out there and, and you know, name names, specifically mm-hmm. Norby and then the rat and go on and on and on. I mean, I think it's unprecedented. When have you ever seen anybody, not just in sports media news, do that? It's one thing to go on social media. It's another thing to do it while you're live right. on their platforms, you know. Um, and, and it did, It wasn't just about the network. It was a name, a very specific powerful historic name at ESPN and that historic for sure. I mean, yeah. I, we all have many uh, experiences with Norby. He was, yep. you know, named in my lawsuit. I mean, there's a lot there that I'm going to save for a glass of wine with Michelle Tafoya somewhere else without a <laughs> microphone. <laughs> but um, for him then Pat on Monday to, um, you know, to post the picture with Burke Magnus, who's number two in yep. command at ESPN. I mean, yep. that was deliberate and that was a shot as he doubled and tripled down, as you said, you know, between that and then we won't even touch the Stephen A. Jason Whitlock drama. But I think it's fascinating when you look at um, a, a network and what, what they've dealt with in just the past six days. Um, however, it's been silent from the executives. And I think I, whether it's this situation, any situation anywhere, you look at what happened with Fox News and Tucker. I mean, there's so many different things. I mean, leadership is so important. And, you know, I'm an army kid. My dad's West Point. Like leadership is everything. And it is lacking severely in all of these examples. And I think it's um, I think it's quite telling. It is. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when NBA players started to discover that because they were pulling down major paychecks, sometimes more than their coach, very often more than their coaches, that they had more power more clout than the coaches actually did. And Mm -hmm. that's what Pat McAfee reminds me of. He's making a kajillion dollars. Mm -hmm. ESPN needs him more than he needs ESPN. Would you agree with that? A thousand percent. And that is why he went on the air on Friday and said what he said about Norby and went on and on and on and called him a rat because he does not care. And he did it again on Monday at the national championship game. If anyone else, maybe Stephen A., if anyone else in the industry had done that, their butts would be off the air yeah. the very next day. There would be statements yeah. released. Hell, I had to release statements for saying things about my own experience as a biracial woman on a, on a separate platform on an off day, right? Yeah. And again, I'm not really comparing myself, but at the end of the day, you just you would never see anything like this anywhere. It is the beauty of having, having that power. Um, what's the line? Obviously, there's different rules for different people. And then Stephen A follows up the Pat stuff, which is not, I don't think, um, you know, a coincidence. Um, that his timing with him going off and the language and everything else. Um, uh, unfortunately, it has gotten away from sports. And I think at the end of the day, that's all we want. That's all I want. I'm I'm a fan first. Michelle, you're a fan first. Yeah. And the drama is embarrassing. Yeah. Even No matter what side you're on, I think it's embarrassing. Um, and uh, I, I hope somebody can take control, but I doubt it. it it's, uh, you know, better than anybody. Um what's going on at ESPN when it becomes more about other things. I loved ESPN when it was all about sports. We, it we was, all did, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, you know, and, and then it became this social organism. And I remember one day after the, the what people call the don't say gay bill in Florida, which is absurd, <laughs> yeah. but they called it that. 
the day after that passed, I was we had a women's bas- college basketball game on in the house. And the announcers decided before or at halftime to talk about how they didn't agree with this rule in Florida, this new law. And I was like, could you just talk about the basketball game? That's why I have you on. I'm not, look, on your off day, you talk about whatever you want. I, I don't care. But when I'm watching a basketball game, yes. I don't want to be lectured about stuff that we may not even agree on. So, that, you know, it's, and, and you're using this platform and, and the ESPN platform to suggest that you are in a place to tell me how to think or that your platform is so coveted that yeah. what comes from you on it matters so much. And I, and I, it, it really, people are tired of it. Um, I will I, say with that example though, with the yeah. women's basketball, because yeah, I was there and watching as well. I, I know that the, the, at least one of the actual announcers on the game that was being played didn't want to do it. Ah. Um, and, and they were told to do that. And for the vast majority of all those people, they agreed with it and were probably fine with it. The moment of silence during a halftime, or was it the, the pregame? I don't remember. Oh. That was an embarrassment. And I thought, what are we doing? We are injecting ourselves into this when it is not necessary. We have um, women and ESPN has been incredible with women's basketball and the ratings have been great. And why are you doing that? And oh, by the way, let's at last be, at least be factually correct. Have you read the bill? Are yeah, the words exactly. don't say gay in there? I mean, Nowhere. big picture, we're actually incorrect. Right. We, not, not us. They were with, with even insinuating that that's what it meant. But that's um, where your, your lack of journalism comes to bite you in the butt. Yeah. And that was really unfortunate because, and I said, I mean, I've had some people come up to me the past, I've been gone for almost five months now on airplanes everywhere. People saying, oh my gosh, what happened? Like, what, why? And it didn't for a long time when this new president, Jimmy Patero came in four or five years ago, he did an incredible job of really saying, guys, stop, you know, like they'd gotten out of hand after Trump's election and the prior president, yeah. John Skipper allowed it and liked it because he was, you know, anti-Trump, et cetera. But when Jimmy yeah. came in, it was no more politics. He did an incredible job. I remember thanking him for that and others did too. And then the pandemic hit and George Floyd hit and that was, it was over after that. And over. they had lost yeah. control. And I, I hope that they can get it back, but that will take major decisions, probably beyond ESPN, up higher, Disney, Bob Iger, yeah. And they've seen the cost. They felt the cost of what this going woke uh, means to the bottom line at Disney and their films, et cetera. So I pray because there's so many good people at ESPN and they're still incredible at what they do. Yeah. When you keep it focused, there's nobody better. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that whole family, you and I have dabbled in another part of that family, and that is The View on ABC. Um, we both have our our war wounds. Uh, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Yesterday, Whoopi Goldberg made a statement on The View that is so outlandish and so full of fear tactics. And I, and I I did probably six shows with Whoopi, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to decide. Sage, does she really believe this? Or is she just trying to scare the hell out of her viewers so they will vote the way she wants them to vote? For people who don't know what she said, we're going to play the soundbite for you. And then Sage and I will talk about it on the other side. Here's Whoopi Goldberg yesterday on The View. I'm here to say it's ours to lose. It is this country. This is what it's all about. Either you want it 
to work forward thinking. You want everybody to have the ability to say how they feel, what they want to move forward, or you don't. Or you want somebody who says, I'm going to be on day one, I'm going to be a dictator. Who says it to you, tells you, I'm going to put you people away. I'm going to take all the journalists. I'm going to take all the gay folks. I'm going to move you all around and disappear you. <laughs> if that's the country you want, you know who to vote for. Well, if, that's not, if that's not the country you want, you have to make a decision. Okay, and you kind of heard in the background, I think it was Joy Behar saying it. That's what the MAGA people want. Um, it, first of all, divisive as hell. Secondly, yeah. I, and, and I'm not a, a Trump apologist. Uh, this whole he's going to be a dictator from day one. Again, talk about taking stuff out of context. Um, again, not an apologist. Actually wish he wasn't running. But um, what Trump said was, I will be a dictator just on day one when I shut down the border and start yes. drilling for oil. That's not a dictator from day one, like, here I come. But to suggest that he's going to disappear gay people and journalists say, Sage, what the hell? How, how do people actually believe Whoopi Goldberg? The sad thing is, is that I do believe Whoopi believes everything she is saying. And I, I really enjoyed sitting next to her. It was quite an honor. Back at the last time I did it was like 2014. And she was always great to me. I hope she was great to you as well. Yeah. And I think she uh, is Whoopi. She doesn't have to pander to anybody. She's She's saying what she believes, and that is the scary part. Um, but people like that hear what they want to hear. And oh, by the way, they're not journalists, you know, <laughs> that's for sure. So like they're on a different level. I think yeah. I, they, they, they also don't want to have a conversation. Mm -mm. And that's the saddest thing about that show, because the potential, how it used to be 25 years ago is so yeah. good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's when I fell in love with it. And it was actually a dream of mine. And now it's like, not that they would ever want me, but even eight, 10 years ago, hell no. Yeah. Um, she believes it. Uh, they believe it. And they choose to, right? Because to me, please be a dictator on day one. Please <laughs> fix what's happening on the border. Please start drilling. Please. Yeah help what the current president has done to do his best it feels like to ruin the country to yeah. you talk about a dictatorship you talk about you know communism and socialism and yeah. just the border alone and just what we're seeing in new york city and and kids are being kicked out of their schools to house illegals and oh we don't need an id to vote as an illegal but i mean i am shocked by by where we are um, I, I'm encouraged also, though, and because, you know, I'm always glass half full, even if I shouldn't be. But I know so many people who are more on the left who are like, this is insane and we have to yeah. stop. Yeah. Um, so to me, unfortunately, maybe I feel like Trump is one of the few that doesn't give a crap and will do what he believes is best for this country. Right. Will it actually come to fruition? The one thing I don't think we're talking about enough, Michelle, is um, why do we ever believe that they'll ever again be fair voting in yeah. this country based yeah. on what has happened the last couple of elections. I think they're making it very clear that they'll do anything, anything it takes to keep him out. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, why would we believe that anything would be fair? That's the that's the most heartbreaking thing. But when they spew that stuff on national TV, um, again, it's it's inexcusable. But that's why we yeah. have the power to do what? To not watch, not click. Right. And that's what I choose to do. Right. Right. That it's uh that's a good choice. That's always a good choice. It's that, it's that though, it's that do I want to drive my husband put it this way? Do 
Do I want to drive down the freeway in a convertible in the sunshine and ignore all the stuff that's going on and be blissfully ignorant and then drive off a cliff? Or do I want to pay attention and absorb some of the disgust that comes with having to pay attention in order to be an educated participant in, in the whole process? And I choose the latter, you yeah. know, uh, but that's not to say that the view is the place to go get your real yeah. sink your teeth. They're in insane. Information. It's, they it's are. insane. Yeah. It's not even fun to go on because they they no. want you to come on and you come to New York and Michelle, you did an incredible job. And then they talk all over you and and go to break and cancel you. And I mean, yeah. it, it's uncomfortable. It's not even mm. fun. Like this is yeah. fun. It's not yeah. even fun. This is fun. This is where you come for the fun. You come to Outkick, by gosh. This is where you share laughs and you can say whatever the hell you want. The other thing that's rich about what she said, and then we, we can change the subject, is when she said, do you want to be able to express yourself freely? Uh, you know, how many people <laughs> have been canceled uh, or have been told to shut up or have been, you know, even it, just this administration hasn't been clear with us at all. This whole thing with Lloyd Austin the last week and a half has been not an embarrassment, but a disgrace, a dereliction of duty. And it makes me very, very, I've been concerned for a long time about who is really in charge in that place. And I, I'm not sure who it is. Well, it's so funny too, because um, I think all of the, you know, the CNNs of the world and probably the view during the Trump administration had really high ratings because why? Because they got to rip on him and crush him every single day. They weren't silenced at all. Yeah, um, yes, they're the yes. ones that are that are against Elon Musk, who is, I believe, one of the best things to happen um, in social media and beyond because he truly is a free speech guy. I think a lot yeah. of us don't agree with everything he says, right? But he has seen this and felt this now, and he's making sure that voices aren't aren't silenced. Yeah, they were at their quote unquote best, and that's relatively speaking for sure, when they could sit there and crush Donald Trump for four straight years. It's, so I don't know what she's talking about with he's going to not let us talk. What? Yeah, yeah, I know. It gives you know. fodder, which is what it, you crave. Exactly. I don't know what they'll ever do when he's off the scene. They'll find a way. But all right. Last thing for you. And you and I both know Riley Gaines, and she is synonymous with this movement to save and protect fairness in women's sports. So you've seen this now it's January 14th that is this deadline for American the American Climbing Association or rock which I climbing, didn't know whatever. it existed so I, I didn't either <laughs> I didn't either but you know it, it, it's come out of obscurity now they were going to allow transgender women meaning again for people who get confused people born biologically as men now identify as women to compete against yeah. women. I, this is so absurd to me. I, we, we both know why. But back in November, November 30th, they announced, you know what, we're going to put that on hold. We're going to open it up to public comment. And so Riley's been encouraging this public comment. But this whole idea, Sage, I, I can't believe that it's happened within one lifetime of a, from the time you and I yeah. were born to, to now when we're just in our prime. <laughs> that women's sports is being thus threatened. What yeah. in the hell is going on? I, I guess I'm still in shock that the conversation has continued to this point. It's been about a year and a half, I think, since the Leah Thomas story really blew up. And I, because yeah. I remember making um, a very 
not not strategic, but I knew it was a tough decision to go public and support Riley Gaines because, of course, I was still at ESPN and then later told, careful, watch what you say. You don't want to offend anybody. I'm like, oh, here we go. Um, so it, even to this point, I'm surprised that we're still talking about this because it's not even an opinion. These are facts. This is science. And yes, I don't know. I don't know much about climbing. <laughs> but I do know physically that upper body strength that men have that we don't have as much of never have and never will probably is an advantage yeah. in the sport of climbing. It is shocking and, and just confusing to, you know, hear what they said back in November and, and OK, we're going to, you know, put it on hold and now say, OK, go ahead. I think I read that they said it's it's a it's would almost be easier because of the administrative part of it to just leave it as is and go ahead and, and compete as you identify. Um, I don't know if that's the case, administrative stuff and paper pushing, maybe not admit that. I don't know yeah. why something, but if that's going to be your reason for saying, just go ahead. If you know, for, Oh, you're a guy today. Great. Yeah. Um, it's disappointing. And again, to me, it goes back to leadership. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. who are in those positions who are afraid to lead, afraid to tick off, fill in the blank. Um, when deep down, I truly believe we all know, all those people know the truth. Um, that's what's most disappointing. So thank goodness for Riley Gaines, who continues to be such an incredible voice, by the way, at what, 24 years old? I know, I He's know. He's making a difference in the world. I, I know yeah. you've been on her show. I was on her show recently, and I'm just... I'm so in awe of her and where I was at 24. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just, I, I want to continue that fight with her no matter the sport. I think she's talking, she's part of conversations with, with chess too, as well. That, that might be different. I don't know how much physical acumen is necessary to win right, that. But right. at the end of the day, the why is what I'm going to continue to ask. Why, why, why? And in my opinion, maybe it's a conversation for another day. I do believe that there's some evil rooted and all of this, it goes much deeper than people just getting weird all of a sudden. And that's what I think we need to look at. Um, and oh, by the way, people like you and me and um, Samantha Ponder, she's one of the few uh, anywhere as far as women in that sports landscape who have chosen to stand up, you know, who have larger national platforms. I am still beyond disappointed to see all of our peers sit in silence. I know. And they know. And that includes men who have daughters who are high school age, college athletes, playing volleyball, playing soccer, men that we know and work with who are silent. And I know damn well that if a, a, a man, a biological man, a transgender woman, whatever, were to come on that volleyball court against my daughter, yeah. guess what? I'll probably go to jail because I'm gonna go take him out of the knees. Like yeah. it's not happening. Yeah. So for these men to be silent as well, it's a disgrace. And I think that we are just overlooking our power that if we all came together to continue to support women's sports, as we all have for all these years, as ESPN did, and we celebrate it. Yeah. But it's silent. Come together. Why are we so afraid? We can win. We can beat this. Um, so I, I just am saddened mostly by that. But hey, I got a big mouth at this point. <laughs> you do too. Yeah. And now there's, uh, we're not, I'm not going to back down. No. And, and my hope is that people like you and Riley and myself and anyone else who would like to join this, Benjamin Watson though, former tight end in the NFL, you, you know, well, has yeah. been, has been vocal on this and I'm glad to see it. I, I'd like to see more men to stand up for women's sports. And I think we'll see that gradually, but David Pollock, 
who, who, who was laid off in the right before the season, David yep. Pollock has really been out there loud about it since yeah, he left. You're right. You know? You're right. Um, and that's been we had him on the show the other day. Yes. Oh, you he, did. Yeah. He's yeah. The best. He is a terrific guy. And yes, we, we need this. Um, and, and I'm with you. My husband and I have discussed with our 15 year old daughter, what would we do if, you know, and it's, it's, are you going to be that parent? And I said to him, you know, yeah, honey, I probably am going to be that parent that's really vocal about this because it's just wrong. It's, it's unfair. And, and here we are talking about all the people who pontificate about diversity, equity, and inclusion are now taking it out on women in a way because they they are minimizing what it means to be female. I mean, the biological, all the the aspects of it. Real Uh, quick, Michelle, my my youngest daughter, the senior in high school, she came home and she's always always pretty quiet. She has her very strong opinions and very different from mine. And I love that. Um, But she's like, mom, I I, I had a choice for this paper I want to write at the topic. And she chose this topic and and women and transgender sport. And, And I thought, Good on you, babe, because listen, where do we live? Yeah. Connecticut. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I am so proud of her and she's going to do it in a classy way Yeah. because, you know, she's my girl and, yeah. and fact-based and about girls and, and supporting her teammates. I, I'm so proud of her because she has a lot more cojones than a lot of the <laughs> grown-ass women and men that we work with. And yeah. maybe, maybe that's who we can depend on is part of that younger generation that gets a bad rap. There's a lot of good, strong kids who just want to have the conversation and do it pro- professionally and with kindness, right. but right. facts go yeah. girl. Yeah, absolutely. Well, give her my best. Tell her I she will. has my support as she plows ahead with that project. This stuff matters. We got to, yeah. we, we do need to instill the courage really in our kids to, to stand up for what they know is right. It's and, right. uh, as you've done always, Sage, it's always great to visit with you. Promise me that glass of wine because I want some more details. Bottle. I do. Bottle. A bottle. You Cup got on. it. <laughs> she is Sage Steele. Thank uh, you. Thanks for being with us, girl. Uh, and you. we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Um, she is going, but before we go, I, I want to talk about, there she is, powerful woman that she is. Uh, there's a really interesting case that is brewing in uh, in Illinois. And it is about a young player. And I just want to finish with this because this is a really interesting story. And, and you've probably heard kind of the, the 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 awful details of it. But it's worth talking about this in another context. Illinois basketball's Terrence Shannon files a restraining order against the team in the hopes of returning amid a rape charge. So he drove to Lawrence, Kansas for an event and was later, you know, uh, accused of and then arrested for rape. Met the $50,000 bail. He is out. It has not been adjudicated. He This has not gone to court yet. But we have examples of things like this where people's careers, you could almost say their lives, if not ruined, have certainly been affected by accusations that didn't turn out to be true or that were highly exaggerated. We can start with the Duke lacrosse case, right? We can go to Trevor Bauer. Um, there are there are a number of incidents where these things just didn't turn out to be true. 
So this kid now is is trying to get a restraining order and trying to continue his basketball career at Illinois because he's a senior. And this is his opportunity to put on display for the NBA what he is capable of doing as a professional. And will he or will he not get drafted, et cetera, et cetera. So we don't know if this kid's guilty, but Illinois has made the decision to suspend him from the team and suggest, you know what? Doesn't matter if he's guilty or not. We've moved into this age of instead of innocent until proven guilty, we've moved into this era of this looks bad. We're going to put your life on hold whether you like it or not. And we're going to wait and see where the chips fall. Meanwhile, the cost to the athlete or whomever the person is can be exceedingly high. And in this case, this guy is seeing it as, hey, my future here is on the line. Lyle Collins, who ended up being being signed by the Dallas Cowboys, you might remember that when he was going to be drafted and he was projected to be a high NFL pick, the night before the draft, he was summoned back to his home state in the South. I can go look for the detail if you want it. But the point is, a woman he had once been involved with had been murdered and he was to be questioned. Lyle Collins went from a top five pick to not even drafted like that. He had nothing to do with this woman's death, but his entire future was altered. Here you've got Terrence Williams, a college basketball player, accused of rape, arrested, bailed himself out. And now the university and the team has made a decision that they're not going to let him play. So this is a really interesting case study because, again, he's filed for a restraining order against the university. He wants to continue playing. And this is going to be, a, I think, a litmus test for the legal system and for college sports. And maybe even, you know, look, in the Trevor Bauer, the the um, Matt Ariza, the Bills punter, and, and his thing just recently came to fruition that, you know, He's been acquitted, not acquitted. He's been, all the charges have been dropped. So what happens to him? And how much time has he lost? And income has he lost? So Terrence Williams, this case, no matter what you think about the actual circumstances of it, this is an interesting legal case to be adjudicated. We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, I think it's going to be fascinating. Um, his lawyer uh, is a guy named Mark Sutter. And if we can call for uh, article tear number two real quick here, guys. Shannon's lawsuit filed by his lawyer, Mark Sutter, and his legal team in the Sixth Judicial court, Circuit Court in Champaign, Illinois, lists the university's board of trustees and school president, Timothy Kyleen, as defendants. The temporary restraining order demands Illinois immediately reinstate Shannon. The temporary restraining order, which was obtained by ESPN, claims Shannon was not granted due process before he was removed from the team. Due process is something that everyone is entitled to in this country, and he hasn't gotten it. And others also didn't get it before their lives were altered. We'll keep an eye on this one. I, th I think it's fascinating. I want to thank Sage Steele. Shannon, we're going to watch your case. This has been a landmark day in football. The last 24 hours have been 
it's just been like an earthquake, then an aftershock, then maybe a bigger aftershock. Bill Belichick will have a press conference later today with Bob Kraft to discuss that departure. Pete Carroll will remain in Seattle, place he loves as an advisor. And Nick Saban, the greatest college football coach of all time, who achieved things that were unprecedented and probably won't be achieved again given the state of college football, uh, he is retiring from Alabama. All of those earthquakes leave shoes to fill in each place. And that's the next part of the story. Will Kane is going to join us tomorrow. And one of the things I want to ask Will is given the state of college football and all the conferences dissolving and combining and moving around, there's an interesting theory out there that maybe college football should be separated from all the other college sports and have its own league and let baseball, basketball, volleyball, women's basketball, soccer, all the other sports continue to compete in their conferences and not have to travel across the country from Stanford to New York or anywhere else in order to compete. It's an interesting theory that's or idea that's been put out there. And I'm going to explore it with Will King. He's going to join us tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, it's been a blast and we'll do it again tomorrow. Take care.